Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Benes Podcast, and today's guest is Nicola Alberani. Nicola is a really good friend of mine, and he's also the sports director at Strasbourg. Strasbourg is a team that plays in the French First Division, as well as the FIBA Champions League. And today we talked a lot about the nuances of the profession of a sports director, uh, mostly of balancing two worlds, which is the team's dynamics and the management dynamics. Uh, the nuances of having hard conversations, especially with coaches. And actually, we also talked about how he fired a coach. And this is always a very difficult conversation to have. So it was really interesting to hear how he goes about it, uh, how he handles himself within the team. And we also talked a little bit about his background and see how he came about of becoming a sports director. So please tune in, uh, listen to it all the way through. Enjoy this conversation. If you enjoyed it uh, as much as I did, subscribe to this channel, subscribe to all the audio platforms, uh, go on YouTube, comment, share it with friends. I think there's a lot of useful information for up-and-coming sports directors, up-and-coming managers, uh, scouts, etc., etc., you name it. So please enjoy this episode and let me know what you thought of it. Talk to you later. Bye. Nicola, what's up, man? Ciao, Benas. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good to see you. We were chit-chatting a little bit before this, and yeah. now we are live, <laughs> almost. Yeah. Uh, I was. I was always. We 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 had this discussion, and uh, I don't remember where we first met, but I know you were at Roma, and uh, I think we came to the conclusion that we were. It was in Treviso. So I'm not sure if you remember or if you had came conclusion, but you know how they say the root of all evil is money. And that the the root of all European basketball is Treviso or was Treviso. So what do you what do you remember from that? I know I remember it, it was a, a a wild uh, a wild situation. Now you will remember that we were heading uh, by by chance to the same events, and we were destroyed by the weather's condition uh, going to Turkish Cup and then to Leader Cup. <laughs> And then we had to land some, some lost situations, and then we had to fight through snow, to through storm, to storms, and then we enjoyed beautiful Euro Disney. But that was the the, the path, and our path crossed, you know, in a very nice way, and we developed this good chemistry. And actually, I always forgot to tell you that now I'm home in Strasbourg, and my neighbor just nearby is the Lithuanian consulate. Oh, oh nice. <laughs> Every time I was like, I have to tell Benes, I have to tell Benes. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm always on your mind. I'm always in the back yeah. of your mind. Yeah, the Turkey, the Turkey trip was, um, the, these scouting trips, you have, we have so many stories to tell and we forget about them unless, until somebody brings something up that's similar. But the, the Turkey trip was special uh, for several reasons. I think we knew each other before then already, but we came, we, we spent some time in the snow in Turkey, driving on the wrong side of the road. Yes. <laughs> downhill in um in uh, uh Gaziantep and and then we had like a five o'clock flight the next morning to 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 Paris I mean it was yeah. it was uh un unbelievable I, I remember that it was in the moment it was it was crazy to think about what we're actually putting ourselves through it was fine so um 
Today, I prepared for you as, as I prepare for everybody else, um, different segments. For you, I prepared four, four quarters. Uh, you know, it's like sometimes I do three periods, sometimes I do four quarters, sometimes I go old school and do two halves. Who knows? But with you, I'm going new school, uh, four quarters, and uh, we'll see, we'll see how, how fast we go through them or how, how, how much we go through them because I wrote down a lot. You know, I, I wrote down uh, wow. a, okay. a big, big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. So I, I do want to start uh, with first this background, then we go through business a little bit, you know, just the, the, the life we're living through uh, day to day. Then a little bit about the team life inside the team, uh, not necessarily Strasbourg as a team, but in your daily life uh, within the team. And then at the end, of course, we're going to go through some philosophy, <laughs> some, but some f philosophy in the sense of um, some growth and, and something that you go through routines, habits and stuff like that, but uh, also put some philosophical questions. But I want to start off with, with your background. Uh, there is a rich italian history of basketball uh, executives um we can go we can start with maurizio we can go with baezi and yada 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 we got well, there's this in terms of scouts and 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 uh international scouts for nba in terms of um professional gms and sports directors in europe where did where did basketball find you initially and how did you get into into uh becoming a sports director and pursuing this path like where where did basketball first find you i think uh, basketball first found me in my hometown that is a little uh, town in italy there is one of the few where basketball first and soccer second and maybe there there is something in the air uh because uh, it's the same town of Maur hometown of maurizio and is the same hometown of uh, the general manager of virtus bologna paolo ronci So maybe we breathe something in the air. <laughs> it's a great basketball area. Uh, maybe for Lee is not the, the brightest in the area, but you know, between Pesaro, Bologna, uh, you have so much going on. And uh, I grew up watching Maurizio's players, Maurizio's team. And when you are a young kid and you have the chance to grow up and see Bob McAdoo uh, or Daryl Dawkins uh, or players that, you know, that they made the history of... Uh, Dean Garrett, you know, uh, uh, made the history of uh, Italian and then European basketball. Uh, it's it's a great opportunity. And then you start loving the team. And then you start asking yourself, so how do they build this team? What's behind the team? And this is amazing to me. And that's where, where basketball uh, caught me. In fact, I remember that I bought the first copy of uh, Blue Ribbon, that I'm sure you're familiar with, in 91, when I was 16. So... Somehow I had this uh, feeling, so yeah, that I would say. Thing. But you were you were 16 uh, once you started the path towards that, right? So that was that was your. First, were you playing a little bit in, in the in the club in the local clubs and and uh, getting yeah. to know basketball? I was playing. Uh, I had the good ideas, but I couldn't translate to my body somehow. So so it was frustrating. <laughs> But yeah, I had this thing that I like to study, play, study players a lot. There was uh, a lot of magazines to read. And I took like the challenge every summer. I was like, okay, the, my favorite team for Lee uh, will sign some imports, some Americans. I want to make sure that when the name jumps out on the newspaper, I'm aware and I already know who they are. So I started mm. with this uh, internal game within myself. And then, uh, you know, I developed a uh, little knowledge. Then the team... 
Maurizio already left by then. The team had some financial issues and there was space for everybody, whoever wants to help. So I was like, okay, I want to help. And they get me the chance, et cetera, et cetera. That's so you, you started to competing, compete with yourself on, on the names to, to make sure that you, you hold yourself accountable to know the names. And then uh, yeah. you, you went from there, basically. Exactly, exactly. I hold myself accountable to be curious. I remember that the, the first team that uh, was, uh, you know, that kind of gave me something is the team with John Fox and Bob McAdoo. And since then, I was like, oh, these players are amazing. And uh, I want to get to know them more and more. Then, of course, I, I had a different path because the club was not doing so well. We sold the rights to Sassari by then. So I was so broken, so disappointed that was really my team no more. I tried to be an agent for a couple of years just to stay around, but it was not really the same. So I exit completely basketball. I got degree. I went to the business side of uh, life. But then I, I was called back somehow. So that, how? that's what happened. How, how did you find your way back? I found my way back because I, I, I finished my business, business school. I did a master in hospitality in Switzerland. I worked in hotels in the uh, United States, Italy, Switzerland. But then uh, I was called back home to open up uh, a Holiday Inn, and, uh, which I was managing. And by then, the first player that I signed uh, in 1998 became the coach of the te- of my home team that restarted somehow. And he was like, he called me back and was like, listen, we need uh, something. Can you come back just after work uh, a little bit? Uh, you know, can, can you be back with us? I said, okay. So I was doing the hotel and, uh, and this thing. <laughs> so, and then, uh, you know, we, we did pretty well. And one day I got the call from Roma. So, then you start asking yourself, mm, maybe this game is calling me strongly. <laughs> go to Roma. When Roma calls, you cannot say no. Yeah, it's uh, calling you strongly, but killing you softly. <laughs> Sadly, with the best. If, if, if people are familiar with the Fujis. Um, but the, the thing that I get always asked, and this is a prime example, that there is no one path to this, to this business. When people ask me, how do I break through? How do I get in? Um, what do you, I'm sure you get this asked as well, because there's a lot of ambitious scouts, ambitious, ambitious, uh, even journalists who would like to be scouts or working for a club, working for, for, yeah, for, yeah, as a manager. Uh, what do you tell them? How do you break through? How do you, how do you make it uh, into this business um, long term or just find a foot through the door first? I, I think the the answer is my my answer is is that it's always very complicated to break through this business and you cannot really plan to have a I don't want to call it even career maybe it's too much but uh, you know a journey into this world it's very complicated to plan it uh, so what I say is that uh, uh, you have just to invest yourself to put yourself two hundred percent somehow because the passion drives through uh, drives you through that and not even thinking about the outcome. That's what I did mm-hmm. because uh, I think, you know, I'm not, I don't have basketball coaching uh, background, a business background, but I think the good coaches that I had helped me a lot, uh, starting from Renato Pasquale in 1998. Uh, they helped me a lot to understand the game. And uh, but then you just give you, you put 200% yourself into this and then, pays back somehow but mm-hmm. it's difficult to explain a path that uh, 
pays off and the market of uh, the work, uh, the, the, the front office management works uh, is changed a lot lately. It's, it's very different from what it was before. I was discussing that with uh, my friend Nicolo yesterday. Uh, it's um, It changed a lot. So I think you just have to love it and do maximum. So that very simple. Yeah, it's it, there's there's no single path for for like there's no book for that, you know. So everybody's everybody's journey is different and everybody's personality is different. I think personality plays a big role uh of gaining uh, the trust of the club or or in in general just uh feeling comfortable with 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 somebody, you know. So I think that's a big factor, but in general um I tell people, like you said, like do do the work that you're doing now as good as you can, and let other people notice it, and and hopefully you get introduced to the right person at the right time in the right place, and then it can take off from there. Because in the end of the day, it's it is a network which we will talk about later, but it's it is also just um, luck in terms of timing because you can you cannot predict it. Like I said, you cannot plan it, so you have to be doing your work, do the job. And then let let things let the cookie crumble. That's basically what I say. Yes, you have basically like we ask to our players to dive on every loose ball. That's what we have to do. We have to be mm. aggressive in another way, which is yeah. put maximum effort, develop the network, watch more games than others, sleep less than others, and then something supposedly will come. Yeah, that's how how I see. Yeah, uh, I wanted to go back to to Maurizio a little bit because. You you were you were close to him, and I I think you it's also like uh, a mentor uh, for 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 a lot of Italian scouts or Italian um, uh, executives, just because he's been in the business so long. What's what's one lesson that you could take away from him, or you you feel like you learned the most from him that you still uh, hold on today? Yeah, uh, for sure, uh, I learned a lot from him. I, I met him since I'm fourteen. Uh, because uh, he was sending me to, he was helping me to go to the first basketball camps uh, in the United States. I went to Jim Boheim basketball camp. So really, my family tried to make to pull out the basket, best basketball player that was in me, but really they didn't succeed. <laughs> but uh, you know, I know him since a lot of time, and I think that the value of the network and the value of uh, the people are the most important things in this business. And mm-hmm. this is what uh, uh, I think it taught me that, that the most. And I see, see him working. Uh, I try to go to Istanbul at least once a year and seeing him working, see how he's faithful to his word, uh, see how he takes care of the people for which he has sincere, in, sincere interest. That's what you know, really amazes me still nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, appreciating the value system, and I've I, I've noticed that I've noticed that a lot of um, Italians, Italian GMs, Italian scouts, there's a uh, a real um, value system in place with everything that you that 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 you do uh, because of the personal relationships you have to be. I feel like when you, when you have ex- exchanges, there's also a certain amount, oh, a lot of trust that comes into it that you have to really develop over time. And and that only comes through proving that your values, that you're true to your values every time, and not just like wishy washy. You know, like one one time you're like this, and then if there's something that that like two three years later that you do that's something off, that's a little bit different than what you used to be. That immediately comes a question mark. So that's also a strong um, 
value system in terms of like personality and virtues and you know uh, um, truth telling and no no bullcrapping around like there's there's always there's I, I can sense the professionalism uh, when 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 I talk to you but also when I talk to Maurizio when I talk to Daniele uh, and uh, other 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 scouts as well so um, I'm 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 wondering if that's like cultural is that something that you did you grow up with or is that just generally um, experiencing the business and learning what's what's really uh, important i think it's it's more c cultural because in the business unfortunately there is also <laughs> it's not <laughs> <right>. all, <laughs> all beautiful and uh, <laughs> flowers no uh, i think it's more cultural but the, i see it also that uh, uh, it's a paradox but the people I don't want to say my best friends, but the people I'm closest to uh, are uh, the ones doing my job. Because only uh, Maurizio, Daniele, and many others, Federico, uh, De Paolo, they, they understand how I feel in, mm -hmm. in a given moment, uh, when to call, when not to call, uh, when you call, what to ask and what not to ask. Mm -hmm. But you, you don't ask because of friendship sometimes, you know. You call a friend that is having a, a, a bad moment and, uh, you know, uh, but you don't talk about basketball. You don't ask about the last game or you don't ask about the coach or why. If I go. You, we try to support each other in a different way and uh, this is more cultural, I, I guess. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I guess in, intuitively you, you feel. Once you know the culture, you know the person, you kind of feel what to ask, what not to ask. And... Uh, it's it's a relationship factor, right? It's like in a friendship. You feel like you feel like that your your uh, your your friend or your partner is going through a tough day, and the certain things you shouldn't mention. Uh, so I think it's also the same thing in a in a we call it. I don't want to call it business relationship because I've called it more of a, like a business friendship slash friendship because it's a it's a development and there's like there's a certain amount of of um, uh, like the, the relationship and the friendship grows over time. So the, the getting to know each other and then knowing what to say, what not to say is very important. Yeah, let's call it empathy. A lot yeah, of uh, those of empathy uh, helps a lot. I'm, I'm very empathic as a person. I always try to put myself into other people's shoes, especially with my players. Then we can discuss about this later. But uh, yeah. th that helps uh, then to develop uh, a respectful and profitable relationship. But empathy, like that's one thing I noticed with you also when we when we talk, and I'm 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 getting better at this as well. Uh, well, you're you're good. I'm getting better at this. Is uh, listening. You're a very good listener, and and that has to do also with with empathy and being in the moment and being dialed in, listening through, not interrupting, and then answering the question afterwards. Where does that come from? Did you did, were, did you learn that? Did you read about it? Did you did you develop over time? Did somebody tell you off that you're interrupting all, all the time, or how how did that come up? I think it's a bit of uh, my my own personality, and then uh, honestly, I read a lot. These books on personal improvement, psychology. Uh, I, I like to read a lot. With our work, we have a lot. We have to spend a lot of time uh, up in the air, so it's a huge chance to to read. I try to read even uh, every evening a bit, but yeah, that's how it comes. We'll talk about books in the, at the end. I, uh, I I I really would like to know something something new on that. But um, if we if we go into the business segment now in the, into the second quarter. <laughs> Uh, and we talk about network and and trust. So let's talk about the importance of the network and how do you how do you build it? Where do you start building the network and how do you maintain the network? Uh, 
I use a, you know, this example. I have a friend of mine uh, that works as an engineer at uh, Fiat. That uh, he is a manager of. Uh, he designed diesel engines for Fiat, and he always says uh, in, uh, that they install the, the the culture that there. Uh, the value of the company is really uh, a sum of the value of the suppliers. This is what they say in Fiat, Fiat culture. So I see in our job that our quality, our value is the quality of our network, mm-hmm. more or less. Of course, the mm-hmm. network is not supplier, but still uh, uh, the people you can call when you're down, when you don't have a job, when you miss a player, that's really your value. And with me, uh, I have a very, it works in such a way that I'm, I'm very, very selective. I have a very, uh, I know a lot of people, but my real network is pretty small. And uh, especially in searching for a player, if it's in the network, fine. But if it's outside of the network, I'm not the guy that calls someone randomly, uh, which I don't know, b- 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 to get information on a player that, that I don't know. So yeah, uh, yeah. that may, it adds confusion over confusion. So um, for me, the network is really is really everything. I can consider myself lucky then, huh? You <laughs> <laughs> put it this way, but yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we have a strong relationship from this history going through uh, snow and everything. <laughs> exactly. No, but really, if I need any information on a player and I call you, and uh, I'm not calling many people, but if you kill the player, I'm not proceeding. I'm not calling further, or because yeah. otherwise, why should I call you? Yeah. Or why yeah. to call 20 people? I see many colleagues calling 20 people okay sometimes you call the guy you ask for a number of the gm but that's just the, the cherry on top of the pie but yeah. really the pie is the network otherwise you don't uh, uh, you don't do or the candy yes you know, the candy, candy. we're back to the candy we joke with candy so <laughs> it's uh, it's i learned it's quality over quantity you know you have to have your people in 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 every country that you trust and that you feel like they trust you and you can constantly exchange there is situations where you you don't know how to get information on a certain player so you you're asking your um trusted source maybe to introduce you together to somebody else who they will know that He's coming from a trusted source. So it creates a triangle of trust, you know, and this is, you know, there's, there's has to be a certain amount of history behind the person that introduces you to, uh, but that also that obliges you to not, you know, not to disappoint the other person or not to like, it's, it's, a, it works both ways, basically, you know, because at some point they will also ask me for something, uh, some information. So this, it's an informational business and we rely on each other. But like you said, it's, it's rather, it's rather important to have one or two good sources in the country than have 20, because there's also amount of over scouting, over information. And then everybody, everybody learns by doing at the end of the day. And you get the player, you get them in a different environment with different players around them, different dynamics. You might have a completely different information about him. So it's, it's, it's also, there's a lot of things that come into play with the dynamics of own experience. Exactly. Because sometimes, you know, when you, you know that the, it's, it, the information comes from a trusted source, then, I mean, very, very much trusted, uh, then it's okay. 
and because you have empathy with the person, you know the value of the person. So you know what means a good person or a bad person. Because also, I believe, uh, you know, that very rare that you find bad players and good players. Okay, there are, but the context makes mm -hmm. everything. So mm -hmm. uh, to understand the context where the evaluation is performed, the environment, that's primary. So to understand the context, you need to really have empathy. It's beyond the, he can score, he cannot score. No. Yeah. How was the teammates? How was the club? How's the city? Do they play on time? How's the coach? Uh, is the son of the president uh, the, the, the backup? You know, so all these things uh, cre uh, come from empathy to me or to sharing, you know, life experiences and, or a lot of uh, work together. Yeah, yeah, like you, you, you have to make your research in terms of understanding and and being um, basically basically putting yourself in that person's shoe as well. You know, like you have to also understand what the person may be feeling. Uh, rookie coming for the first time over to Europe, he might be completely. He's going to change. He's going to be a different player and a different person in two three years. So, is it just the first experience, the first um, that that the first impression that he was exposed to? That that really influenced his uh, character and and maybe uh, bad reactions, or is he intrinsically the way he is? So there is a certain amount of like you said empathy of putting yourself in that person's shoe and understanding what he or she or whoever might be going through in that particular season, particular moment, or first month of the season. Yes, and also why you need this because the reality is that nowadays more and more. When you call to have infos, nobody wants to have a problem uh, with anybody. And uh, if you call, I mean, you, you work for a, for a great franchise, but when you call co the average college coach on on a player, what do they say to you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> player, great guy, amazing yeah. person, super family. So you, we don't even call them. So it's very yeah. difficult to get information. But even you know, sometimes it's like I don't know you. Why you want information on my player? Okay. It's, it's good, yeah, it's great, yeah. Why I need to have the agent to to call me back and, or maybe you misuse my information so I just stay... Yeah, neutral, put, neutral, yeah. And I don't give you nothing. So the, to, the, what you need is the, the people that say the real truth or the real what's behind the scene and yeah. that comes only for empathy. If you're not invested with the person, you, you, you don't really want to to push... I, I absolutely agree. Did you did you have a player in in your history where you had one information you come in? I'm sure there was uh, cases like that where all of a sudden you have a completely different experience that your your people told you, and then how to deal with that? How uh, did, I don't want to like we don't need to talk about the name itself or the player itself, but in general, was there a situation? If there was, how did you manage to deal with it and 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 maybe interfere and change the ways? It was. Some years ago, and I had exactly this experience, but this comes from learning. It's, this is not philosophy. This is experience, unfortunately, that I had a player that was strongly recommended, and then it was completely the opposite. And then I got back to the source, and I was like, you told me something that is completely not true. I said, yeah, but by then we didn't know each other very well, so why I have to tell you the truth? Uh, ah, okay. Ah, okay. <laughs> I see. <laughs> now I know. Okay, now I know what's the rule of the game. Good to know. How early was that in your career? 
Uh, I was uh, very early. I was just still in the hotel business. I was not so early. It was the beginning of the second phase. So it was like 2009, something like that. So so you were getting your feet wet. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, that was a way. problem. Because also I, I got back in basketball, but I had a gap of like 10 years of not knowing, not studying players. By then I can tell you average room rate uh, for all the hotels <laughs> in Switzerland, but I cannot tell you much about school. So uh, luckily those players are... Finished. They are gone. They don't play no more. That generation. So I'm, now I'm I'm good. I'm covered. <laughs> I know. But I I I struggle with that philosophy of that whoever did that because I I feel like this also like in the in the, in the relationship with you know uh, like with a partner with a girl like it's you have to be the one to show like I I'm gonna I'm an open personality so I will I will give you the trust first. And like Joe Rogan says, also you start up with hundred points, <laughs> you know, and then we will see how much we we deduct each time that we have an interaction or whatever. But it's a it's a it's a matter of showing the trust to get trust back. So I would never ever say, even though maybe we don't have a deep relationship, I would maybe lead you to the to the conclusion or maybe help you to to read between the lines and not giving you the full information, but I will give you a hint. That look, um, maybe just to protect you, even though maybe we're in, a, in the same league. That's another. That's another. Like if you're in the same league and you're asking, like, uh, maybe I want to give him a little bit of <laughs> of a of a bad of a bad apple just to you know, a competitor. So um, I wouldn't do that. I I I, I struggle to not to say the truth. I mean, I, I had a just a short, quick story. Um, I was, I, mean, I'm, I was stopped by the by the police for driving too fast uh, in, in in Latvia, and I'm gonna say I'm not gonna say who I was in the car with, but uh, it said, "Hey, do not speak Russian. Tell them you not you don't speak Russian." And I was like, oh, "Okay, well, he comes in and is like, oh, dobry vechev," and and I was like, yeah. "He's like, do you speak Russian? Can you speak Russian?" I was like, "Yeah, I speak Russian." <laughs> like, I can't lie, man. I I'm sorry, I can't lie. I'm gonna tell you the truth, and and. Um, yeah, that's strength and weakness, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it's no. I'm a, I'm a bit the same. What I develop through, uh, though through the years is that sometimes when they ask me about some disaster players, some some guys that you should not touch, I say, listen, don't ask me why, but for me it's a no. Don't go yeah. for call someone else, but for me it's a no. Yeah. I don't tell you why because if I tell you, then we have to stay on the phone two hours maybe, and uh, no, but. For me, it's it's complete no. This is it, the maximum I go when I don't know someone. Yeah, it's it's also when you don't know somebody, you you are kind of reluctant to say de- give them details because if that person ends up telling the same details somebody else, then they will know where it's coming from. You know, so there's a trace, there's a trace factor that it can get tra- get traced back to the source, like we traced our relationship probably back to Treviso, or <laughs> so there is a certain trace. Um, that you can follow if you give out certain details that maybe you didn't or you shouldn't have, and then you will, you know, there's repercussions from that whole chain. Exactly. Or you put someone else in danger, the, the person that uh, gave you the information, and now you, you put them in danger for what? So yes, you yes. want to do that, and uh, that, that's why it's it's more it's more safe. safe. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What's your, what was your toughest season as a pro? My toughest season uh, was my. Uh, I, I honestly I didn't have uh, I, I have many t- tough seasons, but probably the one that 
taught me the most is the the last one at my hometown because it's very difficult to be successful in the in, the, in your hometown when we we went down uh, from division two to division three uh, because it taught me a lot uh, and we didn't went drop to third division because of basketball there was a, there were a lot of problems that that was difficult but uh, it taught me a lot probably that the the most difficult but then the most rewarding was my second season in Rome because it came from a great season we did the finals that season we did the semifinals we went through a huge change changing coach and uh, losing Gigi Datome for the NBA uh, and the whole organization and that was the most difficult but most rewarding because we did the semifinal and that was the the season that I I love the most because also I think I, I love seasons all, I love all the seasons because uh, every season teaches you something. Even last year, at the end of the season, I tried to sum up and say, what did I learn this season? What What is the thing that you go away with? Yeah. Because I always try to improve or I don't want to be the same uh, uh, professional that I was 12 months ago. So I think after one year, so what did others do? What did others understand already that I didn't? Can I steal something from this season, from this experience? So every season in the end... Uh, leaves you with something. So I, I like all my seasons, honestly. And so what, what's the biggest biggest le- takeaway or biggest lesson, not out of all of them, but one single lesson that you learned from one season that still follows you till this day? Uh, uh, for sure that you have to be loyal to yourself and uh, you want to sync with good people, not with bad people. I may make a mistake, but uh, sometimes I may, I may force a basketball decision, but I don't want to force a personality decision uh, and bring someone that is detrimental to the team, but he's a good player. No, I want to sink. I want to lose all the games with good people that try, uh, not good people because we hang out and have pizza, but good people that work hard, believe in the in the project and give the maximum of themselves. This is the thing that I, I felt. Values, again, have the right values. Yeah, we'll go back to values again. Uh, and this is one thing I also, I, I, I do the same as well after each summer that I had with the national team or also before that with, with Cesca, like I learned to write down everything after the season or after the summer with the national team. Like what did I like about the players, about every, about everything around and the lessons that I take away because you, it's not that you're going to go back, but you will remember better and you will put pen to paper on the lessons you learned and the biggest takeaways from that you can remember. You can remember certain things that you that that season were special that make made or broke the season, you know, and um, I think that's very important for for everyone involved in this business to to write it down after the after the session, you know, whether it's the season or it's the summer. Absolutely. You need to take to create your own uh, history and you know your own trajectory your own i don't want to say legacy but uh, years after years you, you need to put things together otherwise you're always the same and i don't want to be the, the same person i was before so i want to try i try to be better yeah we, we shouldn't be the person we were five years ago uh we, sh- we we the value system should be the same but we should we shouldn't be stuck in our in our box and not do things differently you should be explore and learn and grow and also learn from the past. You still have the values, the foundation in place, but you, the the house can change or the tree might grow in different directions. Absolutely, absolutely. This is what we have to. You, you cannot. You should not. I think uh, uh, change the amount of uh, work or the engagements uh, that you have. Actually, that should be always top. But you know, you can adjust 
uh, a bit yeah. Yeah. learning from the past. Yes, yeah. Um, the hard conversations, I'm a communication geek, as you know, <laughs> and we will touch on communication in several aspects here, but um, firing a coach, this is, this is uh, in, in the, uh, did you have to ever fire a coach? I did twice. Twice. Okay. So uh, it's, it's an integral part of the business and it's, I want to know the thought process that goes into it before that happens and how do you approach the, the conversation uh, as you go into the conversation? I think, uh, uh, you know, in a way, experience uh, taught me that also not renewing a contract is perceived like a firing in, in June. So <laughs> I, think I didn't expect, but uh, yeah, that's also come with the years. But I have to say that firing a coach is not nice. It's not always, uh, but it's part of the job. Uh, you have to do it uh, uh, because you have to do it. First, first of all, to, to me, this is business. It's nothing personal. And with the two coaches that are, I fired during the season, I'm still in touch today. So this mm -hmm. is uh, to, to say that I always try to, to go on a, on a business side, not on a uh, situational uh, or emotional uh, uh, push. But uh, it, to me, the experience is that, uh, okay, we're managers and we have to judge the performance. Fans have to judge the results, first of all. And when you have to fire a coach, Honestly, it's more for the Monday to Saturday or Monday to Friday work than for the Saturday uh -huh. happening. Because on the long term, the Saturday, here is Saturday, in Italy Sunday, the Saturday is an outcome of you do, you do your, your homework well, if you work well, if you communicate well, if the team perceives you well. So the, the, it's impossible, I would say to me, that it's a perfect week, perfect team, and you keep losing and losing and losing. So... I would still stick on that. Again, maybe values, but uh, you don't fire a coach because you lose games. If you lose games, there must be a reason. Or, you know, sometimes I'm, I lose and I'm still, okay, but we're not so that bad. Or sometimes I'm, I win and I'm depressed yeah. because I see that the, the, the loss will come soon. So uh, firing a coach, it's more, you, you feel it during the during the, the week. It's not about the result. This is my case. I have to do it only twice, luckily. So it's good. So basically, you fire the coach because you don't trust the process anymore. Or I see the players don't trust the process. Or mm -hmm. I see that uh, there is a bad chemistry with the board. Or I see that it doesn't see uh, what's, uh, what the problems are. Or, you know, sometimes coaches go on a... Uh, pessimistic mode, and then uh, they, they don't they stop thinking, they stop analyzing properly, and they see enemies everywhere, and they yeah. stop focusing on the job. Uh, they start looking more at everything that is around them. So th that's where I see uh, the problem. But it's not about the basketball that goes in or the basketball that goes out. It's bigger than that to me. And uh, I, I have to say that uh, if you are frank and if you motivate things properly, then uh, normally the other person sh should understand this because it's a, it's it's a long disease. It's not again that you are you have six perfect days and then you lose. Okay, we stick with you, but uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't the, the case. 
how many how many conversations do you have before when like there, is there a final straw where you see like you said like if the coaches starts to get completely paranoid and stubborn and doesn't see or doesn't admit to it partly because he's probably afraid to lose a job partly because he's just he's maybe it's just stubborn um what's the final straw at the end of the day is this just like uh, a certain conversation that's going to in the end or like if the process is good and you're still losing games it's still there is still like a, a, some sort of i mean you, you don't let me put it back there, at the end of the day if the process is good the, the victories will come that's what you believe but when when they're when they're still not there how long how long does your patience last and how many conversations uh, do you feel like you have to have it's very there is not one rule to me because i can tell you that for example the season we we dropped from division two to division three i didn't change the coach and we arrived to be 10 uh, losses in a row so i'm very patient but if mm. you trust the process but then if you don't pay the salaries if you sell players uh that because you can get a buyout and then you try to replace them somehow and then uh, you know it you have injuries then the coach, you change the coach for what? I mean, yes, yeah, not yeah, about yeah. the coach. So I give you an extreme case that I lived, uh, and uh, it may happen that I decide to change coach at the end of a very successful season because uh, I don't think there is more margin to develop together. Yeah. So uh, it really, uh, sometimes I give myself time. I say, uh, I, but it's not. Uh, I try to involve the, the 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 club as well to feel how is the the president, uh, the 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 club, uh, the owner, because also you know that having a strong coach is better for me in the end because then the, the club is calm. When I have a cl nervous club, a nervous uh, board of directors, then uh, the, the work is uh, is bad. So when you see that negativity, you try to calm it down. But then, uh, oh, we can change a player, but not with this coach for the next one. Ah. If we go in this mood, then it's so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the end, we do a lot of crisis management. We do the team, and we do crisis management. Those are the two things. In, in a normal, in an ideal season, you don't need the sport director. <laughs> so that's a perfect transition because the next topic, next next uh, topic, I wanted to go through with you is the defining the sports director position because you are you have a. GM above you and you have a coach below you. So you're basically like a like a tunnel that that has to, you know, uh, it has to be aligned obviously, but you also have to maneuver a lot of um uh, issues, a lot of personalities, a lot of uh crisis management like you said. Can you define what goes into being a sports director and how do you juggle all that? It's a very different job from club to club. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, uh, before I, I was telling you that the market changed a lot. I started my career like uh, the Maurizio type, the man, one man band. And that was before it was like that uh, in Italian basketball. The president uh, has huge companies. He doesn't want uh, to take care of basketball, just enjoy the fun of it. Calls the guys, at least this is the key, uh, handle everything. And uh, I started that in Forlì, in Roma was the same. But then I see the market is changing and this uh, professionalism is not required anymore. So I went to the specific uh, side of my job, the more, most technical. And uh, as a sport director, then you have to try to find your way 
to adapt to a club. So sometimes it's like you said, uh, you have GM, owner on top of you. Uh, here in Strasbourg, uh, uh, we have the president that is active uh, and then uh, he, he represents uh, the Conseil Surveillance uh, that, that's because we have uh, multiple ownership. And mm -hmm. then there is the head of the business side and the head of the sport. Mm -hmm. So it's very simple. He is actually my colleague, but in reality, he's my boss also because everything that I have to do requires money. So I have to go back every day. So in theory, we are colleagues, but we're not. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you have to, try to find your way and you have to be the link for the basketball, the facilitator uh, for everybody else and put the coach in the best condition. Often, not every time, we have the pleasure to choose the coach. It happened very rarely in my career. I think only once, really, or twice. But uh, then you try to put the coach in the best condition because a strong coach is a lot of uh, good life for me. So, yeah, sorry. Uh, so, so the good coach, a good coach with, how would you describe the the like the personality of a coach that you're seeking that would make life easier for you? But like, what what are what are the the, the characteristics you would look for? Uh, general, generally speaking, not like just generally speaking. I think very often we don't even, uh, in my experience, I'm not even in the position to choose the basketball style that I prefer because I stick so much on values that uh, uh, when you have a certain budget, a certain club, a certain situation, uh, then there are not so many people with the same value that I have available. So it may happen that you have at the end of the day only one, if you're lucky. So we don't have to choose between four or five and then the different basketball styles are, you know, something that you can eventually use as a second degree uh, investigation. Sometimes you just take the best person and then you adapt uh, your uh, team building, the way you build the team, the build the roster, Uh, to the characteristic of this coach and you try to facilitate his life. This is how I see it. I have colleagues that they stick on the basketball, but me, I, I cannot do it. I don't... The basketball comes later. In the end, to me, in basketball, there is much less basketball than people think. Maybe this sound, may sound outrageous, but uh, it's, it's more important that, again, the people, the, the person, the values... Uh, what you have inside, the motivations, the stage of your career, what you want to achieve, where you want to be in five years. And again, the network comes back to you to help you and tells you really who's this guy. Because honestly, uh, something that I don't believe very much is the interview or a coach. Because when we do interviews, we are all very beautiful, very, very nice. Uh, we look great. We talk, uh, you know, with great terminology. Everybody knows a lot. We're prepared. We're bright. But to me, you really know a person when you sit next to him in the locker room after you lose three, four times in a row. Then you're not a person. Exactly. Not in the interview. So, okay, we will do the interviews. I will do again. But it's more uh, about the guy that next to me, my friends that tell me, hey, I, was, I lost three games with him, four games. The fans were out there. The president was yelling. But he... He was calm. He was keeping uh, his mind fresh, and we worked it out, and we bounced back. This is something special. But mm -hmm. you know, the interview is is beautiful, but in the end, it doesn't tell you the whole truth. 
it's a it's a very nice PowerPoint presentation, and and <laughs> you you put a bow around it, and and everything is nice. But at the end of the day, like you said, the experiences and the the character shows in the toughest moments, and that's when you you get the information about how how the how he handled himself and how strong characteristics and I think charisma also. Uh, somebody told me charisma is also very important in terms of like. Um, portraying and 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 shining in those moments and having this personality that you can relate to that 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 people feel like man this guy this guy not only knows what he's talking about but he's also good with people and can con connect with the players in a, on a different level yeah yeah absolutely and i think it comes also it's a matter of uh, being practical because uh this is also a phrase that i read uh, last year it i liked it i read it last year in the gym of le portel is that nobody lives long enough to make uh, all the mistakes. You can even learn from others' mistakes, not only from yours. <laughs> so you buy other people's experience when, uh, when you give a phone call or you ask for advice. <laughs> and this is how it works. That's, that's a good saying. I mean, it's, it's, you learn from other people's mistakes. You, there's, there's not enough time to learn from your own mistakes. You have to, you have to be open to, to, to evaluating other people's mistakes too. Um, going into the team aspect in the third quarter, as we're talking about roster makeup, and, and where would you start if you had a clean slate and, and you, you can start off building a roster? What's the first thing you do? And, and, and uh, which, 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 what's, what sort of players would you start off building a roster with, basically? Uh, normally, when I choose a job, I always try to go, when, when I can choose in the situation that offers me the, the widest page, so I can exactly do what you say. And the first players that I try to sign are the building blocks that are the players that you don't see much, but for the reason uh, are in the same team three, four, five years. Mm -hmm. Those are the teams because they give you a mental structure and uh, that mental toughness, the accountability uh, that you search in a group when you want to model the group. Uh, for example, in Strasbourg, this is already the, the second season where we put the best scorer, we sign him for last. Uh, this is uh, why. Because the, the difficult players to sign are these guys that bring you intangibles, good personality, uh, work ethic. At the end of the day, I don't want to put my players down because we, we signed great players. Last year, we signed Bonzi Colson uh, for last, uh, also Brandon Jefferson. This year, we signed an amazing player, Euroleague guy like Jara Leddy. Uh, that will supposedly be our top scorer. At the end of the day, it's easier to prepare a beautiful, you know, it's more difficult to prepare a, a beautiful situation and then to get this type of player than to have the guy that do the things that nobody wants to do. Th those are the players that are more more difficult. Yeah, the the roster the roster makeup is complicated right because you also have to consider what you already have and then the, you it's unpredictable of how the personalities are going to mesh with, with, between each other that's why your your i think your your points are very valid because of the again going back to the value system in terms of players that bring this foundation to your locker room that even in the especially in the in the bad moments will hold their ground and then the the, the scorers the, the the players that are they will take care of the of the other the, the things that they do best but 
you you cannot have panic in the locker room and i think it starts with the with the right captain with the the, the strong personalities that can you know also openly communicate with each other and that's where i'm going again communicating with the players from your position what conversations when you see when do you start approaching the player that you feel like you have to you have to address something is there something that you see like or are you distant and you keep a line until there's no more like how often do you communicate with the players in in general it depends uh, again from the situation i try to be distant from the players uh, it was not long time ago that i was still younger of some of my players even when i arrived from forli to roma i was younger than uh, tonoli so i had always to keep distance somehow not to be eaten by the players not in a bad way but you know yeah. uh, uh, you try to defend the integrity and the the the, the, the the role of each uh, person in the team. So uh, normally you can drop a message uh, like, uh, I don't like texting, first of all. I'm not, uh, I try to always to communicate uh, face-to-face. Uh, I always try to do li- little timeouts for a coffee. Eventually I get you out for lunch just to see how are you. So we, if you break bread uh, together, I think it's, it's always very good. Uh, I always try to keep, the line of communication open and eventually if I have to screw up I, I screw up pretty intensely I have to say so it's uh, it depends you know sometimes it's just a way of communication every player has his own different style so again empathy helps because some guys prefer the phone call some guys want to you have to put them uh, in a relaxing situation so you need something longer some guys are very fact oriented so no bullshit. Tell me what, what you want to tell me and I'm fine. So it really depends from the situation and the player. But do, do you, when you see there's a, there's a conflict brewing, do you you first approach the player or in, in a certain way or do you go through the agent? No, no, no. The, the agent I, I, I use only when it's about contract and money. No, I, don't, I inform the agent sometimes because in very special cases... Uh, there is a history between him and the player. So in that case, I may end up using the age, but I don't believe in uh, agents helping me during the season. I think in the season, on the season, it's just me and the coach against everybody. So I, I don't believe that the agent can, can do much or because at the end of the day, the agent doesn't know. And uh, some agents, some agents are very good, I have to say, but some others, you know, just try to play the defensive way. Yeah. Or they're there in another country or another continent different jet lag they maybe talk to the players once a month at best so how they can see my yeah. daily frustration because he's overweight i don't know so i think uh, uh i have very good relationship with all the agents but i i don't use them to to help me out uh, or to facilitate my job I think yeah, you, I think you're right. It would create an unnecessary triangle, you know, and and that's when the communication gets lost because there's no direct line, and then there's misinterpretation. There's certain dynamics that comes into play. That's the same thing um, in this regard. It's the same thing as a, like a team would choose a sports psychologist, and for the sports psychologist not to be with the team the whole time, you know, like what value do you get from a sports psychologist? I mean, we're changing topics here, but I'm just trying to find for an example. What value do you get from a sports psychologist if he doesn't feel the team day in, day out? He doesn't know the dynamics between the players, between the coach, between the sports director and the whole climate of the of the locker room. 
if you know like if you're if you really want to solve issues this and have the genuine good opinion of the sports psychologist he needs to be a full-time part of the team absolutely because uh, it's uh, sometimes you know you, you you are a scout but you're also a coach and sometimes it's a matter of uh, one bad face one bad answer uh you know some bad body language so if you're not there the whole time you cannot understand this this is also a problem that you have sometimes with owners or presidents because they have a general idea uh whether good or bad uh, so you have to be there and share uh, experiences and see uh how the team interacts i believe sometimes uh, you know uh, there is a strong correlation between uh, how a team eats and how a team plays <laughs> interesting explain I, i've never seen a team where everybody has his face on the cell phone for and it's like that and then express great basketball i mean this is my experience <laughs> so uh, our, our coach here is is very good too uh, so we have a problem because normally i was trying always to to, to eat uh, looking at the players here i want to but also i want to eat in face to the coach so here is the one that looks at the players uh, because he believes in that too and i live in the privilege but normally there is a strong correlation in this again people values so I, i think uh addressing to a player is really personal depends on the personality that uh the player has yeah that's the phone thing is like times have changed and it's you know you you cannot completely disallow it but you observe you know like they're not little kids but you observe the situation of how they are actually able to put the phone away maybe and interact and talk and have a facial interaction because if you cannot address i mean if you cannot talk about normal things and have the phone off in front of your face how can you address between the team i'm talking between the players how can you address issues and be able to deal with the reaction because you're not used to be having the 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 reaction you know like you're not used to seeing the facial reaction you're not used to hearing the tone of the voice uh that all all of that that's like kids they're learning now that are that are phone oriented they're not learning the social cues the 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 voices the tone and it changes the whole behavior pattern of of their future of their future lives so going back to the team how do you uh control that and see and still try to implement your value system within the team and make them understand that I we need to have this interaction at a certain point of time and certain point of the day whenever you're alone you can use but there's nothing like you know you cannot use it you cannot say that no i think a lot has to go with the fact that to me again i think in our position we don't uh, we don't have to have any ego the sport director is a facilitator so i try and this is a, a discussion or a fight that i had with some coaches I try to understand the different generations. I try to understand what is the key to enter this person's heart or this person's problem and what's important to him, the family, the father, uh, you know, the girlfriend. It's very different. And then once you have that little key, you try to use it uh, because I think with the players of 10, 10 years ago, five years ago, uh, or players that belong to that generation, you tell them what to do and most of the time they just do it. Now, uh i i have this debate uh with one coach recently now what you have to do is to understand their values and 
make them uh, use them to your advantage so you can communicate with them. Some coaches have still the opinion, ah, but no, but they come to Italy, they have to understand us, uh, they have to adapt. No, because if they don't adapt, we lose the game. (laughs) At the end of the day, we have to be practical, no ego, they don't adapt. I'm adapting to everybody. Uh, That's maybe part of the hotel uh, business uh, situation where they they teach you that uh, uh, the the very good hotel manager must be, you you know, a smoker with the people that smoke, alcoholic with the people who like to drink. You must like communism with the communists, you know, you must like, uh, you know, business you must, because you have to adapt to your clients. And in a way, I'm trying to do the same. I'm trying to adapt to my players and to understand what's important for each of them. Some are more delicate, some are more rough. But this is the fun part of the job because then, again, when there is the crisis management, the, the difficult moment, uh, I, I think uh, you, you need to have the real kids. Sometimes there is no no time or to do a lot, and you need to win, react, bounce back quickly. Basically, a chameleon, a chameleon job description. <laughs> you you constantly adapt. Yeah, yeah. Like the coach should have strong ego and strong. But our job, we can do the compromise guy or try to, to when we have to, to to put everybody in line in the best condition to work. The, the, the coach first, the players. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a a um, hierarchy system you know in a certain regard and everybody has everybody has their role and everybody has to fulfill their role in in their best way which is obvious in every job um but to go back into your uh, as we talked about the sports psychologist has to be present the daily life of a sports director in terms of observing feeling attendance and practice talk, walk me a little bit through your daily routine uh it's not a nine to five job but there's a certain amount of of um uh consistency that you 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 put in in and in terms of like attendance and uh balancing how much how many hours you spend in front of the laptop how many how many hours you spent or messaging writing emails uh, talk to me to your through your uh, daily life my daily life starts uh, very early uh, i'm not a night bird uh at all so uh something that gives me confidence because uh, I think uh, I don't have the blessing of being a coach and I don't think I'm a great talent, uh, I try to work more than others. So being awake at 5.30 in the morning watching games when I think that everybody else, or almost, is sleeping, so it gives me, it puts me in a good mood because I think I'm creating an advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so unfortunately, now I'm having, I just had the second baby that she works the same way. So this routine has been mis- messed up since one month. But this is the normal life of the last <laughs> 20 years. I wake up very early. I watch a couple of games. Also because during the day, you don't really have time to watch games. When you go to the club, everybody needs you for, for some reason. Maybe yeah. it's stupid. And then there is the players and the coach. So you don't go watch games in the club. So I start with synergy very early. Uh, uh, American coffee very early. Uh, I try to to do little exercise like 30-40 minutes every morning. Uh, unfortunately, I like to eat, and my wife she's excellent uh, in the kitchen, so I have to exercise every day. So I come to the office uh, that I normally in a normal day at like around 9:30, 9 before the practice. But by then, I already watched two three games, and I'm in shape. So the day can start. And it's 
selfish but efficient to me and some months i cannot do it for because of the schedule blah blah but this is really what what is important to me and then uh, you just try to be around the practice i don't i don't want to be there at all practice i don't want to watch all practices because i think my presence has to be uh i'm not friend of the players i'm, I'm not close to the players I, I want you know that when i'm there i'm there but otherwise they don't have to get used to me and same way i don't enter the locker room maybe i enter the locker room two three times uh, a year maybe zero but if i enter uh, the players have to be like what the fuck is he doing maybe i'm uh, something wrong is going is going on if i'm in the locker room so mm-hmm. uh then i watch the practice i i check back with the coach how was it how didn't who was good who was bad we have a little briefing uh about the situation the plans the schedule and then uh, you know you uh you go back to to eat at home or you eat in the office depends what the logistic situation of the day and then uh normally after lunch you do some phone calls to friends colleagues uh scouts because the, the biggest part of my job is to be ready uh for for the next season because mm-hmm. uh, we work for the future more than the coach it needs to win on sunday we need yeah. to win on sunday too but we are in our head already on the recruitment for the next season and to get good information on a player on a rookie on whatever it takes a lot of time uh or to you know to keep my network good and uh make sure everybody's fine so those are the wor- the hours that i use the most and then i go back to practice uh Try, uh, try to stay around uh, again or do you know what it takes to the daily life of the job and then uh, probably there is some cup to work uh, to to look to look uh, you know FIBA Euro Cup Euro Cup blah 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 Euro League that uh, for me is the, the nicest one to watch and then uh, I definitely I try to go back home and have uh, some moments uh, for myself for my family because at least those two three hours i would like to see the kids uh, that have uh, that are still around and uh, if i can i i eat with them at lunch otherwise i see them for dinner and see what uh, what's the situation uh, now it's different with the kids before I, I i i didn't have family now i have and i try to maintain maximum focus and i have a i don't have a wife i have a saint and <laughs> That uh, you know that unfortunately our job is very peculiar, yeah. and she has to accept this situation. She does, and I think the family is most important for us because some guys, uh, you know, are uh, affected by the families or by the you know sentimental situation, and this is not good for the job. I try to always to to do the maximum, and then uh, you know I go to eat to sleep very early, sometimes nine thirty, or I don't even finish the. Uh, I don't even watch the games that are too late. I, I watch the next morning on Synergy because mm-hmm. uh, sleeping is uh, is more important. And I have to wake up at five thirty, so I don't. I cannot go to to bed at midnight. Yeah. So when I wake up in the morning. Normally, I have like twelve, fifteen messages that I have to answer immediately. But yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, that, and that was going to be a good transition point also to the to the to the fourth segment, fourth quarter. And you you kind of answered it already with the balance between work and family and life in general because it seems like you have clear um, 
borders, borderline. You know, like you're, you have a good foundation in the morning to start of the day. You you have a clear line of when what how you want to attend practice. When you gonna what you, when you do video work, when you don't do video work in the gym, it seems like you're all occupied about the players and the people around the club. Then in the afternoon. You basically um, you you come you come back home. You eat lunch if you can, and you do emails and messaging. And then at nighttime, after after the second practice, you dedicate the time to the family. On the road, like you said, there's people can be affected by the by the family this by the family um, conflicts, but it's also vice versa where family can be affected by the by the work conflicts. How do you differentiate that, and how do you how do you separate those two? I think it's uh, it comes back uh, everything to one rule that uh, I didn't mention that that to me I'm faithful to coach to club etc. But I'm faithful only really to one thing that is victory. So I believe that some behavior some behaviors bring you closer to victory. Some behaviors bring you farther to victory. So every time we do something in the club, and I'm trying to this to understand uh, to make it understand to the. President here is very good. He understood, but uh, some behaviors are detrimental to the team and or for your own personal life. So if I give you an example, like traveling with a better bus. Do we win or lose for that? We don't win or lose for that. But if the player doesn't have the, uh, the back broken by a bad bus, maybe it's easier to win. Or having the buffet at the right place uh, on time uh, when you are at the hotel with the, all the dishes uh, lined up properly. Does it help you win or lose for that? No, clearly. But <laughs> it helps to give, uh, I'd say, mental organization to the team, to the players. So if the money comes on time, do we win or lose for that? Luckily, no, because my experience at Strasbourg was rough with the money but uh they always came but it was not so precise as it would be for the, it's important for the player so all these little things you can improve and, and you can do so in my case i try to do all everything that makes me aligned with victory uh you know that, that there are i have there are colleagues that uh you know they, they don't want to finish the roster by end of july no matter what because they have to go to holiday Having a wife that understands that maybe I don't find the last players, so there is no holiday, and they have to stay at the phone until August 20th or later, it's, it's a blessing. So people from the outside uh, don't see this, but sometimes I'm wondering how these people don't see that he's finishing the roster every year by 20th of July. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but because this is... A, this is what happens. So I try to be loyal to victory. If I feel that something that I'm doing or the players are doing or the club are, is doing is not faithful to victory and is bringing me, far, bringing me farther to victory, I, I stop and I readjust. So watching the games, be in a decent shape, uh, be updated, uh, have a good relationship with the people around me. This is what makes me bring closer to victory. I've been coached. It is very good. Uh, this is this is the rule in the yeah. end. Be yeah. faithful to, to victory. That's a good rule. It's it like two things that, that I feel like I um, strong a strong wife, um, like you said, a saint that supports and understands the job and understands the job description as a whole. That it's really necessary. Also, it's not necessary, but it's it's very helpful to have a 
a, a whole experience in life as, well as, as much as work and life and balance it together and have a strong backbone to support you in those times and be empathetic as well to understand you uh, in your situation. The second thing um, that I want to add on to that with the, with the, you know, is it, does it help or does it not help to, to win uh, a better bus salary on time, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I had like some conversations uh, with Sharos and it was, I mean, I'm not name dropping. It's not a secret. <laughs> Sharos and you know each other, but it's, it's, um, uh, he said one thing one time that I, I, I can remember it was a random situation and it's all about percentages. And, and it's not talking about shooting percentages or, or, uh, like free throw percentage or whatever, defensive rebounding percentage, whatever. He's talking about the percentage and he didn't explain, I, he didn't elaborate on that, but I, I, I got the idea from the, from the situation that it's all about of what situation you put yourself in and how much could it help you to get to the victory? Like, does it, the percentages that it can add on to, it's not going to be, it it it, it can it shouldn't be or can be most of the time make or break but a better bus it could help 1% or 2% to help down the line if you add those percentages up with other factors it it will lead to the victories it will lead to a successful season but without that without those 2% without those 4% without those 10% whatever those how you ever you want to allocate it the success may not come so it's all about the percentages and, and how you, um, what are the chances of that happening? If I go there and uh, like I put myself in a situation and danger, like there's a higher percentage that I could get injured or I could get uh, robbed or whatever. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's about being mindful of the situations you put yourself in. And it's not only, I'm not only talking about basketball, but also in life situations where you should be able to not calculate everything precisely, but uh, percentage-wise be able to project, okay, this is probably not the smartest thing. 50-50 sometimes is like 20% of, of it happening. So I think it's good to be mindful of that. Yes, I think uh, I don't have the pleasure to to, to know uh, Saras, but of course he's a great, uh, great, great coach and same as he was, amazing player. And uh, I think it, it's, it's the same f- philosophy. Actually, just read a, a very interesting book on this topic. But as a basketball people, we should refuse the, the concept of luck. Then, of course, we, we, we say that there is luck, but we have to create our own luck. So when the ball is dancing on the rim, I think it's more likely that goes in than out if we have a good mood, good team spirit. The president is aligned with the coach, with the fans, with the team, uh, and everybody's grinding and there is a positive atmosphere, then, you know, uh, salaries are not on time, fans are against the team, the coach doesn't talk to the president, ah, that ball probably will fall off. So <laughs> this is the, 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 the situation that I yeah. try to imagine every time or the, 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 how I'll break down the, the, the different situation, yeah. Yeah, it's the alignment. Alignment and then, you know, like you, you try to eliminate the bad percentages and try to improve the the game as a whole or the the club as a whole uh did you watch have you seen coach carter yeah just recently really so my my question to you what's your biggest fear biggest fear uh it's it's not related to basketball it's about uh, personal life or health uh, losing health or losing my beloved ones but uh, uh, in the basketball i'm fine I, i i don't have biggest fear 
Yeah, that's that's one thing. Like you know, we get like I said, we're in the fourth quarter. It's it's a philo- it's philosophy time. Okay. So uh, the the thing, the biggest biggest fear, um, I I was thinking about today because I was listening to different podcast podcast um, of not reaching my own potential. You know, of of wasting wasting potential. Whether it's it's not only also not only basketball or job related, but potential as a human. You know, so it's constantly. It's maybe based, it is based on fear. So that is the biggest fear of me not optimizing myself to the fullest and being able at the end of the day, I wasted so much of my potential and so much of my own, um, you know, like whether it's character, whether it's the ability to do something, to change something, to impact. And that's my biggest fear of not being able to, to actually fulfill everything that I was put here to do, whatever it is. I think this is interesting. That uh, extent could be mine too, or not to lose time no matter what, because yes. uh, you know time is the only resource you cannot uh, store, you cannot replicate. So that, that's, I can say that could be my biggest fear. That's um, if like we, we we read a lot, so we I think that's those things we connect with a lot as well. So um, those are things that I feel like people should think about more and not be caught up in the moment too much and and think about the, the whole the picture as a whole uh so which which books do you think do you feel like uh can you share like that you read recently that impacted impact your daily life or that you're um broaden your horizon currently i think uh because I, I expected this question, honestly. So um, <laughs> because we, we talk often about books, uh, I, I read two type of books. One is investments book. Uh, I'm not a trader. I, I'm more Warren Buffett style. Uh, and uh, the, the other one is uh, personal improvement books. So the, the ones, the two ones that I would uh, push for now, one is uh, Atomic Habits mm-hmm. by James Clear. I think this is very interesting. Because uh, it talks about this, uh, uh, it talks about compounding in the end, compounding of little improvements. So this one percent rule, we could we could call it trying to do everything in your life, break down your task, break down your life, and do everything one percent better. Each of us can do it. This yeah. is just the sum up of the book. Of course, the book has much more juice, and I recommend it. Uh, this is a very interesting book to me. It's really bright. And another one that it's not uh, new, uh, but uh, to me it, it makes a lot. And it's one of those books that you could read uh, every six months. It's the Meditations of Marco Aurelio. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, it, it's uh, written quite a long time ago, but it seems written yesterday. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a lot of so much wisdom, so much... Uh, important things that uh, you can reflect on this book and really I recommend this to everybody then of course the third book but this I could ask you but I think we are on the same page is uh, uh, the book of Naval Naval yeah 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 yeah. Naval Naval, of course that book is is, Naval can't miss Naval Naval is next level Uh, it's 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 a modern modern uh, Marcus Aurelius, I guess. <laughs> exactly, it's the modern Mar- Marcus Aurelius. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable, and it's and the way he puts it is very simple, precise, and short. You know, and and it, it's straight to the point without wasting any words. And I wish I could talk like him, basically. <laughs> so yeah, because he tells everything with five words, three yes. words. Yeah, 
impressive and it's uh, the Marco Aurelio of uh, Silicon Valley so it's uh, yeah <laughs> um two more two more things that I wanted to finish up on the the, the second thing is uh, that after after talking about books but the second thing is what you um we're going to talk about your home a little bit after actually actually let's do that where where do you where do you live where where is your home on my pod map that I want to put on my page where do you feel like is is the the your place of living that you would put the pin on because for me a home is a difficult question to answer that's why I ask everybody that I've, for me as well uh because I'm I married a, a girl from south I'm from almost north I've been working in different places so I missed uh, mostly my summer house when I was uh, younger with my parents. So I would say that uh, the Cervia Milano Maritima area is my home, more, even more than Forli, because that's the, the place where I really I feel I belong to, and I, one day hopefully I will go back to. Is that where we ate ice cream? That's exactly that. We, we had the ice cream exactly in Cesenatico. That's the area. Exactly. In fact, I brought you there. Uh, yes. We didn't uh, go too much away because we were from Bologna to Pesaro. Yes. But that's where I feel really I belong to. Okay. Okay. Good. Good to know. Good to know. The ice cream was phenomenal. And Maurizio loves that ice cream too, huh? I heard. Okay. Yeah, he's a Cesenatico <laughs> guy too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so last question to finish off uh, for all the aspiring um, sports directors, GMs, executives, the top three tools you use to organize your 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 life, your your work, A apart from synergy, watching video, but the top three tools that you use, um, whether it's on a laptop or it's on your on your phone, what are the things that you use to organize your your schedule and your 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 work? I'm a big Google guy, so I have uh, my Google Drive for my database because I have mm -hmm. a database uh, of all the players that I like, uh, no matter if uh, they, I'm, I'm the GM of the Lakers or GM of uh, uh, Club Division Three in Armenia. Uh, all the players that I like, I put in there. It's like mm -hmm. a melting pot. <laughs> And then I, on Google Drive, I have another uh, file where I have the players for next year depending mm -hmm. where I am, depending on the budget. So I extract that. Uh, yeah. And then uh, the third thing that I use always on Google Drive is the database for today. I always have a list of players that are available today. And the, the best point guards available, the best shooting guards available. Mm -hmm. This I need to know because if I have an injury, I cannot lose time to start calling the agents. Mm -hmm. We play twice a week. So... Uh, Google Drive is it's it's very important to me. I live uh, mm. Google Drive, and then of course the Google schedule because we have. I'm not very punctual normally. Uh, the, the, the Roma experience affected me a lot, and here in France they don't appreciate because in Rome when you have an appointment at 11 means that more or less you you will leave your house at 11 plus the traffic. So, but, but people know, huh? They don't get pissed. So appointment at 11, it's a more or less. It's like for the, maybe for the payments, it's, it's the same. The date is a suggestion. It's not, but here, you know, uh, they're very punctual. So I, I use more and more my, my Google Calendar that is uh, that's very, very important. And, uh, of course, I'm, I rely a lot, uh, a lot on, on these two, two tools uh, that are vital to me. Okay. And where do you take your notes? Notes. I'm a. Uh, I'm very old-fashioned. Paper and uh, uh, 
uh, I use pa paper and pen, and then I like to translate the, 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 um, into, into my Google Drive because uh, I, I like uh, the feeling of the paper, the yeah. freedom. The, uh, I, I like to, to, to write uh, before, rather than typing. Maybe I lose time, but uh, on the other end, I review a player twice. Yes, 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 yes. So I don't think I lose time. It may happen. Young generation can think this is slow, but it's it's slower. But you you go twice on a player, so yes, it's yeah. not so bad. Efficient. It's more. It's 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 inefficient initially, but it's more efficient long term. Yes, for me it works well. Mm -hmm. okay. What do you do? You use paper or you just? Uh, usually I prepare on my phone, uh, the, the notes and then I type it in, uh, in cliff notes and then I, I type it out at, uh, in full, in, in more like not full sentences. The reports are never long, but they're more efficient, clear to the point. There's no need to extend and to go into details. If you know basketball, you know, basketball, can he play? Can he not play? Why? And, and I think the, the quicker, the shorter, the better. Uh, because you, you, there is an overly amount of information out there and it's overly amount of players out there. And the, the more efficient and the, the, not necessarily quicker, but uh, preciser you work and you put the notes down, the better you can remember. And um, I would have to go back and reinforce, like you said, maybe to, to when I see the player, uh, I have to double check what my notes said because it's not always 100% because... You know, like you have to second guess yourself sometimes as well. So I did one season with a notepad, um, writing notes and 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 writing out in my book, uh, but I didn't feel like it made a big dent. Um, there is there is uh, different uh, research out there about what's more efficient, and I did the research and I tried it. But for me personally, it didn't make a, a huge difference. So. It's um, it's more about I think the person of how 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 efficient or how, how what works better for them. I think it also depends on the purpose because for me uh, I think I think you have to do a description of the player a bit uh, or to to figure out to present the player to someone else. Me I have to present it to myself. Yeah. So I just write the sentence. So would I sign him or not? Because sometimes you read beautiful reports, but okay, but do they sign him or not? Because yeah. after all these. <laughs> Beautiful uh, writing. So I'm, I'm, my notes are like the sentence. Are like I would sign him any day. I would sign him if I'm, uh, you know, the GM of a top four club and I need to make a bet. I would sign him from the bench. I would sign him in this context. Yes, or I yes. would not sign him because uh, Ben has told me he's a bad person. <laughs> you know, so the, I just put, I just try to put the sentence mostly. So yes. I will I go back. This is why reviewing twice since I put a sentence. Uh, of death or life, uh, it's uh, it, it's important to me. So it depends also the purpose, I guess. Yes, perfect way to finish, Nicola. We we did Very it. Good. We went through it. I appreciate you coming. I think that you are the and I tell people that I think you're the most underrated sports director in Europe. Uh, your oh, future your future is in um, in in Euroleague and maybe above. Who knows how the however the cookie crumbles. Uh, I believe your our relationship also is not just any relationship. That's why I, I feel like your value system is very very strong, and we've, our relationship has proven that. So I'm wishing you all the best. Thanks for coming on. And uh, how can people find you or, or uh, message you on sorry, on Twitter? 
I'm on. Uh, I'm not very good with social. I'm on Twitter, but my my email is the best. Is my don't 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 say it. Don't say it. Don't okay. say it. <laughs> okay. if, if anyone comes, they come to me. Don't say it. Okay, they can come to you. But I thank you for the great words. Actually, I was expecting the leader writing. You know, there may be goods uh, put on this uh, video for commercial purpose, but uh, <laughs> a great endorsement to me. But uh, yeah. Uh, let's say social media will work, but thank you again. Thanks for having me, Venice. Our friendship uh, is uh, it's a blessing for me, and I like love to share basketball ideas and uh, life ideas also. Yes. That's what you uh, special to me. Uh, we don't only have to talk about talk about basketball, or that's part of the relationship. So really, it's uh, it's great, and uh, I thank you very much for this. Thank you, Nicola. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Have a good day. Ciao.